chill, an uneasy feeling that you are not alone. Don't worry, it's just a ghost. A shout out to Tia Mayhem and Tanya Venom of Stormstress for providing the incredible intro music for this podcast. Hello there and welcome to It's Just a Ghost. I am your host, Mary Jensen. On this episode, I'm doing something just a little bit different. I have put up 11 of my flash fiction stories that I wrote, and so they are very short. Flash fiction is generally only a few hundred words, and a lot of these are a lot less than that. So some of them are, I consider, flash flash fiction. So I hope you enjoy these, and next week we'll be back with another episode that's back on track, more or less, and that one will be about the Salem Witch Trials. Changed. As a photographer, I am always seeking new ideas, expanding my creativity and imagination. Most times, though, it comes when I'm not looking for it, just as it did that day in April. I left my apartment with my camera in hand and an open mind to wander around the streets of downtown Providence. I walked for a while, taking in the sights and sounds around me. Everyone seemed to be in such a rush. Soon I was drawn to an alley across the street. I wasn't sure why I was so compelled, but it was like a strong magnet drawing me in. I stopped at the crosswalk and pushed the button, awaiting the signal to cross. Feeling anxious, I entered the alley, and there was nothing in the narrow path between the two buildings other than some graffiti. Spray-painted in orange were the words, I was here, but now I'm gone. In a different form, I carry on. Strange, I thought, as I continued to the clearing at the other end of the buildings. There was another small clearing behind another tall building. There were the three dumpsters lined up on the right. The back of Irma's coffee shop was on my left. It smelled of trash all around. On the ground were boards with bent nails sticking out, bike chains, tires, rusty cans, bottles, old hand tools, buckets, and an array of other junk. I stood with my back against the wall of the coffee shop and fired off a few shots with my camera. I still wasn't sure why I was drawn there, and then I spotted her. She was standing halfway behind a dumpster. I could see the top of her head and about half of her body. Hello? I called. No response. I tiptoed over, peeking around the dumpster. There she stood, straight and tall. She was beautiful. I wondered what she was doing in this filthy alley. Her skin was flawless. Her eyes were an intense blue and seemed very sad. I sensed there was a story untold behind them. She didn't smile. She wore a light pink lipstick. She didn't look at me, her eyes downcast, making them seem sadder still. Her hair was jet black and hung just below her shoulders. It surrounded her face, contrasting against her light skin. She wore a little eye shadow and the right amount of blush to stress her cheekbones. She wore a black shoulder-length leather dress laced together in the front. It reached mid-thigh. A fringed necklace of white pearls she wore around her neck. I looked down to see she wore black leather sandals, the straps wrapping up and around her legs about three inches. 
I noticed something reddish-brown just above her ankle. I bent down and touched it. It was dried blood. I could see a small scratch. Hmm, strange, I thought. Mannequins don't bleed. Is it all right if I take pictures of you? I said aloud to myself. I could swear she glanced at me. I am losing it, I thought. I only fired off a few shots when I heard footsteps approaching. I sensed I should hide and duck behind another dumpster. There you are, I heard a man say. I dared to peek out just as he picked her up and tucked her under his arm. You won't be able to run away again, he said. You should be changed over by now. They took off down the alley. I stood to leave. Then I turned back and looked over at where she had stood. I hadn't noticed it before because she had been standing in front of it. There on the ground lay a can of orange spray paint. Flytrap. The Venus flytrap barred its sharp teeth, cranking its trunk-like neck in my direction, capturing my attention. I wouldn't ignore it any longer for fear of being eaten, piece by piece and limb by limb. I knew it wouldn't kill me. I was its source of food, after all. If it ended up eating me, then what? What would it do for nourishment next time it got hungry? I couldn't afford to lose any more. I hobbled across the room and opened the freezer door. With my left hand stump and three remaining fingers on my right, I grabbed the last arm from the icebox. That left three fingers and a few toes. Soon, I would have to hunt again. I offered the shoulder end of the arm to the enormous plant. The flytrap had grown at least a thousand times its size since it appeared in my apartment. I heard myself let out a cry of laughter. <laughs> it took the arm from me. I was holding the hand as if I was shaking it to say farewell. Enjoy your trip. The flytrap chomped up its dinner, licking its lips as it grew larger still. Gum wrapper art. It was raining. I was bored and restless. I wanted to be out playing with my friends, but it was pouring and everyone was home with their families. I was eight. My sister was 17. She didn't want me hanging around cramping her style. She didn't want me in her room and asked me to leave several times. I didn't listen. She put on her headphones, grooving to Bobby Sherman of the Bay City Rollers, and flipped through a magazine. I busied myself by examining my sister's artwork she had created out of gum wrappers. I have no idea how long it took to make it, but it must have been a few years and a lot of gum chewing. She made it from the paper sleeves of long sticks of gum, folding the wrappers into an origami-like design where she could link one wrapper to the next. Over time, this formed quite a long chain, which she rolled into a large wheel. Each circumference of the chain was held together with glue. I stood there at the foot of the bed, holding this massive work of art, glancing toward my sister, who was on the opposite end of the bed with her back against the wall. I was hoping for a reaction of some sort, but she kept flipping the pages of her magazine and bobbing her head to whatever teen idol was blaring in her ears. We lived in an old house. It was over a hundred years old. The walls were made of plaster held together with horsehair. Most of the ceilings had separated from the walls slightly, leaving a gap between them. More so, it seemed, in my sister's bedroom. Again, I glanced at my sister to see if she had yet noticed I was holding her precious piece of gum wrapper art. 
because if she had, I suspected she would have asked me to put it down. Something a couple feet above her head caught my eye. I tilted my head upward to get a better look. It was black and headed right for my sister's hair. It was the biggest spider I had ever seen. It crawled at a slow pace. Part of it was still coming out from between the ceiling and the wall. I flailed my arms like a madwoman. That got her attention. I pointed to the wall above her head and was screaming, There's something coming out of the wall towards your head! She didn't believe me at first. She ignored me thinking I was just teasing. I continued screaming and pointing, Cindy, there is a spider heading right for your head! thinking this creature was going to crawl right down into her long brown hair. With the spider only inches from her head, she turned and looked up. She moved fast then, and with one quick, simultaneous motion, she grabbed the gum wrapper out from me and stood up on the bed. With full force, she slammed the circular masterpiece she had worked so hard on, flattening the hairy beast. It made an unnerving, squishy sound I will never forget. Needless to say, the gum wrapper project ended and got discarded due to the spider gut situation that had taken it over. My sister made it a point to thank me for saving her, and she was glad I had come to pester her after all. Storm in a teacup. I tried to drink my tea as usual this morning, but there was a bad storm going on that prevented me from doing so. The tea became a turbulent mass like a storm at sea. A fog rose from the cup. Lightning came down from the fog. I pictured a small boat with a tiny man in it. The waves of tea swelled higher, rocking the boat frantically. Suddenly, everything stopped. The storm had cleared. By then, my tea was too cold to drink. Little Darlings to combine fierce animals and small children might be too dangerous for reality, but they are fun to draw. I finished throwing a lion's head on a small girl up in the air on a seesaw, her front paws resting on the handle while her back paws dangled in the air. On the lower end sat a boy with bat ears and fangs sharp enough to rip apart anything it felt inclined to. I imagined my illustration coming to life, his wings flapping while his tiny little boy hands held on for dear life as the seesaw switched positions. Done for the evening, I glanced back at a few of my earlier drawings. A cow with a girl's head and legs. Four white dress shoes and lacy white socks. The tail appeared to be moving as if swishing away flies. Two little boys playing on the ground, trying to grasp bugs with their hooves. I came in to say good night, Mommy, said my son as he entered the room. Don't forget to brush your teeth, I said, and kissed his soft little boy cheek. He nodded. Sweet dreams, I called as he turned to leave, knocking the lamp to the floor with his powerful tail. An idea. I had just turned off my bedside lamp to go to sleep. It flickered back on. There must be a short or the chain had gotten stuck somehow, I thought. I reached over and tugged on it again. It went out and I rolled over and closed my eyes. Again, the light came on. I have an idea, someone said. Thinking my roommate had come in and turned on the lamp. What? I asked as I turned over. The room was empty. Well, I have an idea, the light bulb said as it dimmed for a moment to let me know that it had spoken. 
I thought then I must be dreaming. As if it knew what I was thinking, it said, You are not dreaming. Night after night you illuminate me while you read your book. And when you're done, you pull my chain and I feel alone in the dark. I don't like the darkness. It frightens me. What a weird dream, I thought. But I played along. I'm sorry, I said. What is your idea? Well, if you could read aloud your book each night, then maybe I wouldn't feel so lonely and afraid when you turn me off. Okay, I said. I will start tomorrow night. I pulled the chain and drifted off to sleep. The Red Rose. I couldn't stop staring at the vase containing the one lonely flower that sat on the coffee table right in front of me. The deeper I gazed into the center of the red rose, the more overwhelmed I became. There he stood, white robe and sandals, motioning me to come to him. There were angels floating just above and all around him, open wide on either side with the pearly gates. Kind of a crazy thought came to me just then. I couldn't help but wonder why they are called the pearly gates when they were gold, the most beautiful gold one could ever lay eyes upon. They were shining the most magnificent ray of light all around that seemed to blend with the billowy clouds. In the distance, I could hear harps. The entire scene brought tears of joy to my eyes, joy that I don't think I will ever experience again in this life, a happiness beyond words. What are you looking at? I hear my friend ask, though she sounded far away like in a dream. Jesus, I said. Do you see him? No, I'm watching all the dots pull themselves out of the dot board, back up a few feet and throw themselves back to the board. He's calling to me. Look around, she said. There are all sorts of things to look at. A lot is going on around us. He wants me to go with him, I said. Don't waste it all on one thing. She was really beginning to get on my nerves. I was enjoying my trip and wanted to stay right where I was. Why are you crying? She asked. I turned and looked at her. I told her it was the most beautiful thing I ever saw and that she should look into the flower and try to see it too. She couldn't see the man in the white robe and sandals. She couldn't see the angels or the pearly gates, nor could she hear the harps playing in the distance. My chirp refused to let me see the dots flying through the air by themselves. I wasn't able to experience any of the same things she experienced, although I tried. I concentrated on the dartboard a bit longer, and when I looked back toward my friend, I could have sworn she was a cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz. I knew she wasn't, but she looked exactly like him. She sounded like him too, for that matter. I looked deep into the center of the flower again, but my heaven was gone. All that remained was the red rose. No Pinky. The woman standing in front of me waiting to get on the bus was abnormally tall. I'm 5'5", five five, and I had to look way up to see her face. I thought she must have been wearing high heels, but she was wearing white canvas sneakers. I was amazed she found pants long enough and figured she must have had them custom made. Well, she must have had everything custom-made, I thought. I couldn't imagine being that tall. It's unnatural. The line moved. She was next to step up onto the bus. I watched as she raised her long leg and placed her giant foot on the first step. 
Reaching out with her right hand and bending in half, she managed to weigh up the steps without bumping her head. I noticed she wore a simple gold band on her right middle finger. She had the most elegant painted long nails. They were white French manicured with silver lacy design. I shifted my eyes slightly. Where her pinky should have been, there was a jagged, crooked bone sticking out. I wondered why she didn't have it removed. I stepped onto the bus right behind her, and she took a seat but faced her back towards the window, her legs outstretched across the seat. It was the only way she could sit, given her height. Her feet stuck out past the end of the seat enough I had to squeeze in to get by. It was my turn to sit in the only seat that remained the seat behind the tall woman. I tried to read my book, but I couldn't concentrate. The tall woman had her right arm resting on top of the seat, right in front of me. The harder I tried to concentrate on the book, the more I felt drawn to her bony, crooked stub of a finger. I couldn't help myself. Her hand was dangling over the seat, right in front of me. I couldn't move any further away from it. A man and a small boy sat next to me but they appeared not to notice. It's okay to stare, said the tall lady, as she looked over at me. Excuse me, I said, pretending I wasn't doing just that. I was admiring your nails. They are very elegant. She squinted, letting me know she doubted me. Oh, um, I'm sorry, I... Don't apologize. I don't blame you. It's ugly. What happened, I asked, relaxing a little. I banged it on a rock while I was drowning. Oh my, you must be thankful to be alive. It broke my finger bad. The flesh rotted off over time, leaving me this jagged bone. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It didn't make sense. I gazed out the window for what seemed like only seconds. But when I turned back, there was an elderly couple sitting in the seat in front of me. Excuse me, ma'am, I said to the older woman. How long have you been sitting there? Since we left the bus terminal, she replied. Was a woman sitting there before you? Did she leave? No, we were one of the first ones on the bus. Are you okay? She asked with concern. You look a little pale. Thank you. No, um, yes, I'm good. I have a little headache is all. Voyage. Welcome to a surreal world, said the couch. Before we embark on our voyage, I would like you to fluff my pillows. I hopped up and did as the couch asked. Thank you, said the couch. I really do hate flying with unfluffed pillows about me. Now, where would you like to go? I thought about it for a moment. I believe a trip to Scotland to visit the Loch Ness Monster would be fun. When you are present, the world is truly alive. flying carbohydrates. It was growing dark on this afternoon as I ran down Maple Street on my way home from a friend's house. Just a few moments ago, it was bright and sunny. There was a storm on the way. Rain, thunder, lightning too. I didn't want to get stuck in it, so I ran as fast as I could. Only the faster I ran, the slower I seemed to go. Not strange for being in a dream. I'm running with all my might, lifting off the ground and floating upward. Higher and higher I float. I watch the trees and houses below me. 
Soon they become so tiny, I imagine my neighborhood as an ant village. Next, I'm flying. I can't seem to control my speed, but I'm able to dodge to the right and left and up and down. I'm in outer space and there are potatoes flying towards me at a frightening speed. Huge baked potatoes. At this point, I'm not sure if it's me that is flying forward or if it's the potatoes flying towards me. Maybe both. I dodge the baked potatoes. I'm doing good, then out of nowhere. I'm headed for a bowl of mashed potatoes tipped over on its side. A bowl so huge I could have parked my car in it. My car that now belonged to the ant village, somewhere far below. I saw the bowl of mashed potatoes but didn't have near enough time to dodge my way around. I plunged head on into the massive bowl of carbohydrates. The only way I would survive would be if I ate my way out. The problem is, I hate mashed potatoes to the point where they make me gag. Dr. Stem. It was a small pumpkin, a gourd I guess you could call it. It was a beautiful bright orange. I brought it to work and set it on my desk. It looked good there. Josh said I should carve it. He said a razor knife would be a good tool since the gourd was so small. I considered it for a moment, but decided it was too soon. Halloween was still three weeks away, and I didn't want it to rot before the end of the month. When I declined to carve it, I could swear I heard a sigh of relief come from the gourd. I glanced at it and continued working. Soon it was only two days before Halloween, and work was slow. I decided I would carve the little gourd. It would be fun and would look cute with a little face watching me work. I told Josh I was ready to carve it and he let me borrow his razor knife. I spread out a paper towel and grabbed the gourd. It felt like it wiggled in my hand. The stem seemed to move ever so slightly. Crazy, I thought. I took the knife in my right hand and carved out the first eye. I felt the gourd tremble. I figured it was my imagination. A gourd doesn't tremble. I began to carve the second eye in the nose, more trembling. Just as I was about to start carving the mouth, the stem stretched itself out and slapped my hand. I dropped the gourd. It landed on the paper towel, and the eye holes were staring straight at me. I sat there stunned. I then swatted at the gourd with the razor knife and the stem stretched again and slapped it out of my hand. What the hell? I shouted. I am Dr. Stem. Please don't hurt this gourd anymore. It did nothing to you. My eyes and ears had to be playing tricks on me. I closed my eyes tight. Slowly I opened them, one at a time. I couldn't believe it. The gourd was whole again. The eyes and nose holes were filled in like I never touched it. Dr. Stem must have noticed how shocked I was. I fixed the gourd, the stem said. I am a doctor. It's what I do. If I had let you go as far as carving the mouth, the gourd would have told you the same thing. Hello there. I just have a little add-on that I'm putting on to all of the old episodes. We have a new website address. It is... It's just a ghostpodcast.com. And we also have a new email address, and that is it's just a ghostpodcast at yahoo.com. 
So if you heard a different email or website address in this episode, please ignore that and use the new one. Again, the email is it's just a ghost podcast at yahoo.com and the website is it's just a ghost podcast.com. Thank you so much. As always, please email us your paranormal experiences to it's just a ghost podcast at yahoo.com and we will read them on an upcoming episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can help us grow and get our name out there by telling your friends about us, and we would be thrilled if you would leave us five stars. This helps people find us out there in the sea of podcasts. It's all free, so why not, right? You can follow us on Facebook at It's Just a Ghost Podcast and on Twitter at It's Just a Ghost 2. That's the number two. And also on Instagram at It's Just a Ghost Podcast. Remember, ghosts are people too. Until next time.